Hey. Yo, buddy. Yeah, it sounded great. We're in business? I think we're in business. I'm going to... Shit. Mine's way louder on my end for some reason. Really? It, on my headphones, we both sound even. So weird. It sounded great on the recording, so we'll just go with that. Okay. All right. You, well, record, should I re you want me to record too? Yeah. Do it on the cloud or your computer. I don't know which one. Okay. Just give me permission. Fuck off. My man, I need that permission. You want that permission slip? I want that permission slip, boy. I like that sweet. For permission. Give me that permission, boy. Some somber minor mode, some chords off the minor scale. So somber. I like it. Is that something you're working on? Yeah. Well, I've just been doing um with a lot of my lessons. We've been getting into like modal theory pretty heavily. Um and kind of shout out Brownie, the modal <laughs> king. I had a lesson from someone today. Uh, fuck. What is his name? Kevin, I think. Um, cool dude, and he's been taking lessons from Brownie regularly, cool. and he asked about like tone and stuff and i guess brownie suggested taking a lesson with me as well so tight on that but he said i was like oh yeah brownie with the phrygian modes he's like yep we're going over phrygians <laughs> but, yeah. it was so funny D did you catch any of the uh disco biscuits stream last night from I, billy i popped into it a little bit today i think um, yeah okay well they were all like facing in at each other like pompeii yeah, it was really cool. I got to say, the production was really good. The audio was great. They sounded like they've all just been shedding and practicing and teaching, um, which was really cool. Uh, but what's funny is I was watching, like, Barber's Instagram story before, and, you know, they're all kind of, like, live on Instagram walking out into the field. And Barber's, like, you know, just filming in the back, and Brownie's going off about something on, like, yeah, I'm going to take, like, a modal solo. You know, like, I'll do some modes. And, like, turns back and sees the camera and, uh barber's like it's not all about modes dude <laughs> brownie's probably been spouting off about modes and all the practices and shit he's on mode uh, mode right now he's in mode mode, mode um mode. but hey man it's cool like i it, it got me excited thinking about just like seeing more bands and what everyone's gonna sound like while everyone's kind of been like honing in their own personal sound and everything and then when you get to bring that to a live setting it'll be exciting to see especially for bands that improvise heavily you know yeah yeah, I um I was dealing with that myself. I the more I practice, the more I'm working on shit. The more I'm like, ah, fucking, I suck. I have a lot of lot of things to 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 develop. And then I you know I remember there's like a feel element that I have that's that's cool and different. But um, you know, especially when you're we we did our um <clears throat> streaming thing in the studio we've recorded at, yeah. and so when you're really breaking it down and hearing everything exactly as it is, you know, they're in the control room like, ah, oh, it sounds great, but I'm just hearing in my in-ears like all the mistakes and all like the dead notes and right it fucking sucks and i listen to the recording later i'm like okay this is yeah bad. totally well all right so I, I have some questions obviously about home fest for you but before we get into that because i'm very curious about the whole process it was awesome congrats by the way thank you um just going back to that um that modal thing you know it's like and what we were kind of talking about it's like the more we're teaching we're we're doing podcasts we're talking with more musicians than, than ever really and it's different than just on the road 
Um, but it's like the more you realize, the more you learn, the more you realize you have a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And that's, I, that's probably with anything. I can only speak like really specifically about music and especially bass. But every time I get into a concept and we start to explore it in the lessons, I'm like, man, there's so much more I need to do and so much deeper I can dive into this. And that's like exciting. It, it can be intimidating, but when you're working on shit every day and you kind of can like accept like, okay, well, I'm not going to just become, I'm not going to check off everything on my checklist or reach all my goals overnight. But if I have an idea of what I'm going for, I can keep working at it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of like, just to get back to that modal thing, like that's, you know, modal improv and stuff is, we've talked about it a bit on the podcast. It's like an essential part to playing and especially improvising and mm -hmm. in the jam band scene and the jazz scene and even to an extent, like some of the rock scene and, and, and dub and, you know, reggae and stuff like that. Um, but these modes, like, you know, when I, I, when I was at Berkeley, it was like, yeah, the modes, you got to know the modes, make sure you know the modes. And they teach you the modes and they teach you all the positions in C major. And you go, okay, I, I know the modes. I can play D Dorian now. Good. I know the modes. Like now you can play a mode. That doesn't, that's like kind that's, that's, your, you know, that's your toolbox, and now you can go and study the modes. And you're not going to know the modes, maybe ever. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the tip of the iceberg. I was talking to my student about that. It's like learning your multiplication tables. Instead of having to sit there, what's seven times three? Like, okay, it's twenty-one. Okay, but how do you different? You know, what's the different you get there? calculus of a fucking ball thrown in the air and curving down? You got to know a lot more than just what seven times three is. But if you don't know what seven times three is off the bat, you're really right. held back. You need that basis to be able to, to get be back the to basics. basics. And so, like, for the modes, though, for me, you know, it's always C major. And so I've been really trying to get into um, practical application of the modes in ways that I can, you know, so, some of my students are starting to play with their bands again and get together and, like, you know, just, like, limited capacities or just rehearse or, or even just writing over the Internet and emails and stuff. And, like, what can I give them that they can immediately apply to their personal playing and their band playing? Mm -hmm. um, and just like modes of the minor scale, I think are such a, such an important thing that we just that like get overlooked because they're all the same modes, right? The modes don't they're, they're with the major and minor scale. It's always that Ionian, Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, etc. But they start at a different place. Your one is now minor. Your one is Aeolian, and I think it's important to think that way, especially considering how often we as bassists or just musicians play in minor keys. I mean, how often are you really playing in C major? Yep. And that's every bassist that you have for modal theory is C major. And it's like, I never play in C major. No. So like I was, um, I was having a lesson with, uh, with my buddy, David Wolfson, shout out. He plays in a, a band Dysfunctone based out of Long Island and they're starting to get together and they're making some music, which is awesome. Um, and I was like, you know, what are some keys you play in a lot? And he's like, G minor is a pretty common one. And I was like, great. So let's do the modes of based off the G minor scale and just kind of either doing arpeggios or doing like chordal things. So if you're playing just chords, with the Picardy thirds or the minor tenths, it would be this. And I was like, look, already it just sounds like a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so I've been trying to be like, rather than just practicing that all over the neck, like let's do something musical with it that's fun to practice. So I just kind of wrote this little ditty that I've been showing some students that goes up the, the minor scale using these, these thirds, but in more of a chordal context, and little kind of improvised lines using the modes within them. So mm -hmm. just to give you a little taste. This is...
now it sounds like a Chili Pepper song if Prashante was playing bass. Exactly. Yeah, that's like that. scar tissue, man. He's doing those minor tens on that. Um, but yeah, so that so that's been really exciting and, and it's been really fun because it's been something that I've always known that I have a lot of area to to grow in that. Um, and already have just been applying it with like solo stuff and writing more. And then just the few times that we've gotten together with the special, just we've been improvising more and not and, and trying to write more. And it's and, and it's all, you know, you don't want to like necessarily be conscious of music theory while you're playing. You you want to use it more as like an analysis for afterwards. But like you said, if you know your multiplication table, if you have all right, of this theory, you're not thinking about it. And that's the goal. The goal is to have it embedded in you and not be consciously aware of it. Just like exactly. let it happen. Yeah, with, uh, but it's been uh, super exciting. Yeah, with with pigeons, a lot of what we do with jamming is just you know we're in mixolydian, and then we go to the two, you know, and up to the six maybe, or move around. Or right. one thing I realized early on is oh, I'm switching between the six and the two, just adding that flat six there, or taking it away. I you know considered it going a little more right. major, a little more minor, you know, fully, you know, whatever. Um, when you first said uh, what Brownie was saying, <clears throat> excuse me about the modes. On some level, I'm thinking. Yes, there's a lot more besides modes, but really, what else is there besides modes? Like, it's kind of yeah. It, obviously, there's so much more other other elements to to work into it, but there's a reason he's so on about it. And Barber, of course, is right. There's a lot more to it, but until you fully explore right. that realm, you know, you can't really go to the next. I mean, obviously, you can go to the next level and different things, but th there's just that map needs to be kind of drawn out in your head and and figured yeah, out yeah. and. The more I'm practicing, the more I'm learning. Again, I'm I'm understanding the real limitations of my knowledge. I have a good ear and right. a good feel, and I know what to like listen for. And that now that I'm kind of stepping back and developing other strengths at a more uh, intellectual yeah, yeah. And, and logical level, I'm starting to see like, oh, this is where my ear was taking me. It's taking me to you know this mode, but then maybe a whole step up or like you know half step change or whatever it might right. be. Um, and so the, the joy for me. Um, with a slightly better ear is to understand what I'm hearing and why I'm hearing it. And that's really helping me with my songwriting because it not only gives me directions to go, but it also helps me justify what I'm hearing in like a song. Like, well, I think it should hold on this E here or like we should go from the G drop down to the E because it sounds right. And then I'm understanding more why it could work. Um, yeah. And just understanding and why that notion of why does it sound right? Why does my ear want to go to it? And, that's obviously like a multifaceted answer. Like a lot of it is cultural and just in American music and what we've grown up listening to on the radio and rock and roll and the blues and shit like that. But yeah, there's obvious, then there's all that whole theoretical like subtext about it. Well, that the five naturally sounds like it wants to resolve to one, mm -hmm. but then it's like, well, but the five want, sounds like it wants to resolve to one because that's what like Western harmony was founded on. Exactly. Now, the classical music is based on the concept of, of five dominant to one major. So it's an interesting um, conversation about, you know, do th theory. Is it a mathematical thing? Is it a cultural context? Is it both? Is it just like a, a willingness, a human kind of shared emotion that we want to hear? Once I hear this, I know I want to get that release of, you know? I mean, where does that play, come from? Play the major there. How does that sound? Well, so that's so if I'm in G minor and my one chord is a G minor is a Aeolian, then my flat seven is a Mixolydian, which would be a major ten, and then my flat um, six is also major. So 
that, so those are two tenths, and it, it's like a, it's a Lydian chord, so it's a major chord, and then up to a Mixolydian chord, but they both have that same desire to resolve to the one minor. But then if you land in the, if that minor becomes a major instead. Right, yeah, now you're getting into like parallel, that like majors and minors. That's when you said like the five resolves to the one. Right. What if the five resolves to a new five, where the one right. would be, you know, so. Right. You're, yeah, totally. And then you, yeah, that, that you get into like jazz June. concept turnarounds and setting right. up key changes, doing, putting a new five chord. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many cool different um, but that's ways where... to, to analyze it or to, 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 to that your brain goes to. There, there's like, it's that weird step of, okay, my brain, we talked about it a little bit last time. Like it might've even just been after our podcast and we were just kind of like jamming and, and talking about this stuff. That was really fun. It's, yeah, it was great. I know. We just, I kind of wish that it got recorded, but we'll do more of this workshop stuff just to get it in there. Um, it is a bass podcast. It should be playing some bass. Nah. Uh, but there's like there's the, the, that part of your brain that goes, okay, this wants to go to this chord. So I, I, I hear that. I'm going to do that. But then there's that, well, what if I try something different? Does that, is there then a given pull? Does it not sound right? Does it sound cooler because it's not what you expected? And right. I mean, that's kind of just like the fun of songwriting and just coming up with exactly. it. Exactly. That's where it's, it's a combination of physics and psychology and art yeah all at once like you're, you're yeah. dealing with physics and like this note is here this is a major third is a minor third but then there's choices you make and you know, i found with writing especially when i started uh playing more on piano and you know i i think the first song i was messing around with was when it rains it pours i've said that before with that e major instead of e minor that would be in scale right a lot of this like popular music that we hear is just slightly unexpected so you know right like okay right. expecting right but then you like uh, that one song i've been working on you know the yeah right right that's exactly what i was thinking about yeah it's exactly. just like one little bit off you know i originally just like kind of like major minor like it's pretty standard and i'm just playing right. it backstage and jeremy's like oh you know try that a half step up and it's right. like you know emotionally lifts you up it's off, but then it lands you right back where you need to be, and that's like that fuck yeah moment where you're like, okay. And, right. you know, the, going back to the modes, it's almost like anything you want to describe, on some level you could probably describe in the form of modes where you're going from the two to a five, the five becomes a one, and then you turn into this. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's going to be some exceptions, but if you went really roundabout, you could probably describe anything you want using the modes somehow. Um, Obviously, the harmonic minor starts to move things in a different direction. Different um, modes come into play, yeah. But it's, I guess, it's that kind of thing. Like you said, the more you explore, the more you realize that there's more to explore. Yeah. And that sort of gets you into that place where it's like, well, how much can I truly understand and work with and learn? And I think that's where Brownie's at with it. He's like, there's so right. much you can work with within modes. It's almost having that constraint allows you to do more. Whereas Barber is like, all right, bro, you know, I did that 15 years ago i'm good, I'm good. Right, exactly right yeah he's kind of like over talking about it but then it's also like you know i, I know barbara was doing lessons and stuff but not as many as brownie i mean brownie's been putting a lot of time into these live lessons he made a post the other day right, over like 100 lessons you know over the past few months so his brain is in that that con that thinking thing and and, and and like mine is too it's good. like I'm just on, you know, I was on um, Amazon the other day and I just like, you know, I'm going to get a scales mode book. So I got this. Boom. Just, just got a fucking book. It's pretty like, 
it's not it's pretty basic it's kind of like just shows you what every mode is like us starting on every note and it's like well it's the same on all the like you yeah know, you can put it anywhere but you know hey I, it's nice to just like have a tangible thing and that, that um that's the nice thing about bass versus piano for me um you know on piano each note you know you start on a different note you know a different scale it's going to be different how you play it different but positions bass, it's patterns and that's right. one thing i really that i'm delving more into i've ever since i got into bass versus piano and like seeing songs in different right. ways like okay piano is sort of more mm, more absolute in a way whereas bass is more relative i don't know if i'm saying that yeah no it's, I, i'm forgetting the word too that where if you you know if you know what this a major scale shape you can put that anywhere Yep. And it's that same. It's it's a, it's a shape. It's a pattern, like you said. Right. Piano for me was always more difficult because I had to memorize the con within the context of the black and the white keys. I was so used to as playing bass and guitar my whole life. The every shape is the same no matter where you put it. And piano always gave me more trouble like that. I think that's but sort of why why I see music and hear music the way I do is because I was forced to use my ear a lot more on piano. Like yeah. I let it develop the way it should and just kind of found the right spots and. Even now when I play, like, I'm in G major or C, sometimes if I'm feeling crazy, I'll go to D, you know, yeah. whatever. So when you're picturing music theory in your head, if you're talking about, like, a scale or just something like that, are you picturing it at a keyboard setup or are you picturing a bass fretboard? Now I'm picturing a bass, but until okay. five years ago, I think I was still thinking keys. Five, I, that, that's interesting because yeah. that for forever for me, it was always bass and guitar. That was what I learned, and so even, like, music theory in high school all the way up through courses at Berkeley and like advanced harmony and stuff like that. Like I applied everything just to my base. I was, which I get isn't always the mo the easiest way to get to an answer. Well, it's not even that's the easiest or, or less easy. It's just a different way of looking at it. If you're looking at the yeah, same, it's a different perspective. You know, you're looking at, at it from this direction versus that direction. Right. <laughs> it's just a different place and you get different right. angles and like, this is now not a straight ahead triangle. It's, you know, or right. like you're under here, you're over there. It's a new perspective. You're seeing some things you didn't see before. Yeah. Um, so that's why I've really appreciated and enjoyed both. Um, but when I picked up my mom's acoustic guitar, 14 years old or something like that, maybe 12, 13 or 14, I was like, yeah, I want to be a rock star. And I picked up this guitar, and I just started trying to learn it. I'm like, fuck this. This is making me feel way stupider than I know I am. And in a, in a way, I wasn't – not that I was stupid, but like I just didn't think that way, and I hadn't had that – Right. Okay, this is the straight pattern, and then you add. You're being introduced to a new thought process as well as a completely new physical standpoint. Good on that. And then I picked up the bass at my friend's birthday party. I'm like, okay, this one is a little more. It is, yeah. It's the pattern that stays the pattern. The piano is completely, you know, whatever. The accidentals are all over the place. Black right. notes, white keys, and I just like learned how to play it. I'd learn a song, I'd play it. I wasn't really delving into the theory as much, but I was getting a feel for it. And then I picked up the bass. And it's like this one, I get its patterns, you know. First pattern I learned. And then adding in the... Can you move your camera down a little bit just so you can see your fretboard a little better? Absolutely not. Thank you. So, you know, the blues. Yep, the first scale everyone learns, yeah. So that's the first scale yep. I learned on uh, on bass, but on piano I was sure. learning, you know, the major scale, and I didn't practice right. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like a stylistic thing. I When I learned the blues scale, my teacher in high school was like, this is the only scale you'll ever need to use as a bass player. That's exactly what my bass teacher, who <laughs> shout out Dave DeMarco, I'm taking lessons with him again. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. very, very helpful. Um, what were we talking? You were talking about something earlier that, um, I guess it was, like chord tones and you know keeping things in scale. Like I asked him, like how does he improvise? 
it's easy yeah. more progressive type stuff and you know mm-hmm. just kind of showing how he'll take and just like land on certain uh chord tones that don't establish and then let the keyboarders take it where he wants to go and then he'll catch on to right, it too. Yeah. so i mean that's the modes going back to that again um right are sort of and like he's that. probably been doing just learning it and playing it for so long yeah they're just like, like he's not mode. thinking and i'm like in a right. applying it's the way to connect it's like you're finding that like you're the, the lock in a tumbler and you have to go in they all line up till you can turn the key right sort of musicians working together they can kind of use whatever form of communication but modes are very helpful to line you all up on the same place and you turn the key and you open right. the door and then you come to the next door it's like okay now we got to line back up and turn it and that's right and that well that and that's the fun of improvising with people right and not just yourself and really i was thinking and... about that yeah yeah I, I was thinking about that watching that's some of that the biscuit stream last night because you know there are part and just obviously from you know talking with brownie and and the live lesson master and knowing how busy he's been on it like i was curious to see how that would affect like their playing and improvising and a lot of times you know brownie's got the sub octave he's playing those like four to the floor house trance bass lines and like you know yeah that's his trademark that's where he, that's where he grooves that's where he he plays but they were getting into some of these more almost like abstract free jazz things like you know you know that magner has that jazz background mm-hmm. and i love hearing them like get into this jazzy space and then it's like, okay, now, you know, maybe when Brownie's just kind of like holding down that, you know, like he's not thinking, okay, that's an Aeolian mode. It's like, no, that's just a root, that's just a, you know, root minor third flat seven, a thing that we all, that we all play. But then when he, when Magner starts playing some of these like borrowed chords or notes that sound outside of whatever scale or mode they're playing in, you could almost see like the gears turning and, and, and they were like listening and, and playing off each other in that new context. Um, and it's cool. Yeah. It, it's just cool to see um, a music, a band's like a band like that, that, you know, like is, is still practicing and learning. Oh yeah. Um, That's kind of and, what's cool about this, this whole time is it's forcing everyone to step off of the, you know, they created a, a car that goes like you get into this fucking go-kart and just drive and like, okay, this is what I do this is what I do well. And this is what I can do. And now everyone's kind of had to put their car in the shop for a little bit or, you know, set it aside or not right. drive. It's like, okay, well, how can I build a better car? And that's right. what we're sort of all looking at. Like, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, and I know for me, it's sort of the same thing. It's like, okay, I can do this slapping in. You know, like the fun, like, groovy, like, feel stuff. But there's certain, de- you know, defined, like, you know. You know, like. Incorporating little, more chords and just some more things that like, aren't just octaves or or, or, or the regular things we fall back on. Exactly, but I've you know gotten so used to falling back, and it's like, well, yep. I have to play a show, and this is what I do, and this is what the people want on some level. Even though it's, I'm telling myself that it's more of just an well, do you, you you have a sound and a style with yourself within the context of your band that there is an expectation for. Right, but it's also, it's an excuse to not go out of the comfort zone, which is something I, I have struggled with over the years. I sure. love going out of the comfort zone. And now that I've found a place that is comfortable, I think part of it is I hadn't found a comfort zone yet as much. I was moving around a lot more. Now that I'm sort of finding it, I I settle into that a bit more. But now that I'm I'm stepping outside of it, I can always fall back to that. I have that foundation of like, this is what I can do that I know will be good. You know, going back to to our home fest stream, you know, I was worried leading up to it. I haven't played in a while. I haven't, you know, yeah, I've been practicing on my own, but I hadn't played with the band, hadn't played in front of a crowd. I was like, am I any good anymore? Am I still, (laughs) can I I still do cool stuff? Is it still going to be fun? And just, am I still funky? Yeah. And just by playing with the guys and listening and just 
you know, not putting the pressure on myself. It's like, just be part of the vibe and, and just serve, serve the whole, um, the feel of the whole thing. And then I listened back to it. I was like, okay, I can, I can get some cool stuff. I was settling doing. into your role again. Like you have to find, you, you stepped away from your role and now you right. have to but then you, but find by that, stepping co away, that comfort you zone. It, you're seeing it from a different angle and then you come, come back into it and, uh, and just kind of step up in small ways, but then you can kind of fall back to where you are. It's sort of like, you're behind yourself pushing yourself forward this is where i can't go back anymore because i've gained myself to this point but as yeah. you're jumping out here you're never going to fall back down past this because it's like okay now i can just kind of settle into that right worked well while you're strengthening other things um you have to break that comfort zone to even realize that you had it to begin with exactly exactly it, it's so easy to go like yeah well i fall back on my own things but you don't know what those things are until you play something else you yep. know and I mean, the, the main thing that my students say are, are, and that's something that I can relate to. I'm sure you can. I'm sure every bassist can, every musician, anybody that's listening to this podcast. It's like you want to break out of old habits. You want to break out of the things that you fall back on that feel comfortable. You want to try new things. You want to explore new things. And so <clears throat> getting to that concept with a lot of the lessons, it's been about, well, how do we break out of that box? And so the box for bassists are the blues scale or minor pentatonic. If we're in a, a, a D minor modality, which – for someone like me and the special D minor is a common key. So if this is your chord, it's a D chord. How do we get out of just doing a... How do we get out of that minor pentatonic? Well, one thing that you can do is like, instead of just starting on the root, if, so if we're getting this D minor chord, well, yeah, your blue scale will... It'll work, but let's think about avoiding the root. Let's think about breaking out of that box. Well, if you go up to the flat three in a D minor scale, the, the flat three is Ionian. It's a major chord. So rather than starting with a D minor pentatonic or a D minor seven arpeggio, what if we start with an F major seven arpeggio? And you get this more interesting timbre, this more. And already it's interesting. It's different yep. than what you'd think. And you haven't played the root, but you played an arpeggio that works. Yep, it's kind of like bringing you over here a little bit. Exactly, yeah. It, it's working within the, t the extensions of the chord. And a lot of that, the stuff I've been diving into, I, I would highly recommend everyone check out this awesome video with Felix Pastorius called Mastering the Fretboard. Um, and it's, it's featured on Scott's Bass Lessons, like a clip of it is. Um, but he is uh, inc incredibly smart and talented, but just incredibly hardworking, you can tell. I mean, he's got this six-string bass, and he's just run drilling through modes effortlessly. But talking about this soloing on the third degree, and I mean, it can be in if you're in a major, if you're in a major key, if you're in a G major, let's say. So if we're in a... Ooh, yeah, I like how... <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a glitchy G major. <laughs> so if you're in a G major, rather than doing a G major 7 arpeggio. Well, let's go to the third degree. In G major, the third degree is a B, and that's our Phrygian mode, right? Our good old Brownie's favorite mode. That's the but one. even not thinking about a mode, the chord or the arpeggio based off that would be a B minor 7. So start improvising in G major with a B minor 7. interesting you're using these tensions and extensions of the chord rather than the root which were so ingrained as bass players to well, play especially because again like the blues 
uh, blues scale. But that's another good example of what the bass can do in a song. Um, right. Sort of. At, yeah. Additatively or subtractively. Um, where a chord, you know, you have just the seven chord. That could be. You know, uh, play mixolydian licks over it. Yeah, all sorts of different things, um, and that'll change it around. Versus, um, like a pedal chord where I'm staying on one note and the, gu the guitars kind of fall onto it. So that's when the root right. becomes even more powerful. Is you, you know you can go off it, and I've sometimes my ear has been telling me to go off these notes, and Jeremy or Greg will say, you know, like remember the Motown, like landing on it and staying there is going to be more powerful, and I'll still kind of fight against it a little bit. Like, well, what if you just kind of you know instead of holding it. You just kind of roll up to it. Or sure, throw some passing thing. tones to get there. Yeah, and you're still kind of holding it down, but it's like where where do you hold that root and where do you go away from it? And um, it's the interesting thing about the bass is how, how much that affects the entire tone of the song. When you were playing yeah. in the major and you were playing the minor, it had this kind of wistful feel. And then when you were in major, yeah. uh, minor playing major, it had this kind of, you know, it took you up a little bit in a different direction. Um, right. Yeah. You you want the the root to feel like home base. You don't want it to get boring, you right. know. And and if you're starting every bass line on the root or a solo or whatever, it, it it's gonna become. I mean, it, it, you can still make it interesting rhythmically and tastefully. That you know, and there's plenty of music that does, of course. But um, it like yeah, this concept of modal playing. It's using the root. Go go to these different places. Go to these different extensions. Try and you know make you know conjure up different emotions either in your listener yourself whatever your goal is for the piece and then when you go back to the root then it feels like home then it feels like ah oh, nice i'm back where i belong and and that and then and that's just kind of that's the power of music is is going going on a journey right going somewhere and then it's getting a, back home it's ah. not a resolution if you started there and you stayed there the whole time exactly there's no tension tension and resolution right that's like fundamentals that's what, when you know i'm investigating or digging into popular songs or just any songs like what makes it good it's that it's mostly normal and mostly what the ear is expecting and then it just turns you at this one part and then you land right at this next part and you're like right. oh, wait oh, wait okay we're here we're back together and we're, we're in right. this it's when i first like understood um music more like umphreys or you guys where it's like a lot more going on and it kind of builds up this tension and when i was younger i was like well why can't it just be beautiful all the time <laughs> just be nice and i realized it's because you're, you're delving into this kind of psychological aspect where you make the person slightly uncomfortable to bring them back to the comfort, and you're doing that as a group, especially in live music. Yeah. Together, everyone kind of is like, oh, I feel awkward, and then you're like, wait, now I feel great. And not only is it like a little bit awkward, you're also just like, holy shit, look at these guys fucking rip right now doing. Yeah. Well, no, I, dude, I, to I, I, I'm, I, you know, I appreciate hearing you say that about us and Humphreys. They're, they're a band that does that so well. That's some, just like a, something I don't really get, I guess. And and I don't, not even limited to just like jam band music culture, but just in general, like there there's tension and release. There's no release without the tension. Um, and if every song is in a major key and 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 is happy and something that that hey, if that's the vibe and and that's what people want, then there's nothing wrong with that. But isn't it more effective if you give them if you take that emotion away or you you exacerbate it or there's give and pull? Just the whole the concept of tension and release. I mean. You know, I, I'm somebody that I, I, I like film scores a lot because of that. And mm -hmm. film scores and movies are supposed to be the emotional, the, the score to your emotion. The music in a movie tells you what you, emotion you're supposed to be experiencing, whether or not the dialogue or the screen is showing you that. So that tension, like I, like Hans Zimmer, I was watching like The Dark Knight the other night, and every time 
the Joker's on screen, um, you know, Hans Zimmer has this like sound. That's, it's, I, and I've listened to him talk about it. I know he's gone through hundreds of sounds, like trying to find what, what's the most unpleasant sound. But the way he does it with the sound design in Dark Knight is incredible because you hear it so quietly. It's like when you hear like a mosquito, like kind of, oh God, is that fucking thing coming towards my ear? And then it keeps bubbling up and the tension keeps coming. And by the time you see Heath Ledger in this makeup and the music, I mean, it's such an intense moment. Um, and I, I love that, that tension and like this kind of scale or modality or whatever that um, we have some new music in that, I, that, I was, that I've been writing that's going to be on our new album is this like weird chromatic scale that has a lot of tension. It's based like a lot of it's in D minor and it's got like an unstable tonic. So there's a D, then there's a flat second, and then there's a major seventh or a leading tone, and then there's the root. But so when you put them together, it get, you know what I mean? And if you were to put like a reverse effect or something and play all three of them, it, now you've got three like clashing tones happening at the same time it's definitely unsettling and intense and then but then when you kind of just that's your root right so it's this it's very chromatic it's very you know it, it doesn't have a clear major or minor feel it's more of just kind of a huh you know um a lot of those different kind of modes, like the whole tone scale and half diminished. When people equate emotions to music and they talk about, well, major is happy, minor is sad. And it's like, well, why, you know, first off, why do we feel that way? Is that a cultural thing? Is that a music thing? Um, uh, Adam Neely was, had a great conversation on the Mr. Bill podcast. I think I sent you a link for it. Um, and it was kind of back to this concept that we were talking about a little while ago, just like, are, when we hear these things and we have these expectations of this chord should resolve to this, this chord makes me happy, this chord makes me sad, is that like a wiring in our brain? Is that a mathematical equation in music? Or is that just cultural? We grew up and when we saw a, a character die in a movie, when Bambi's mom died, we heard a minor chord. So as kids, we go, well, now minor chords are sad. Um, so that's, all, that's interesting to think about. Well, let's delve let's uh, more into that because that's very fascinating for me. And that's kind of what a yeah. lot of interest is is there an inherent happiness to a major scale? Right. Or is it relative? I mean, it, it, you know, when they're talking about the, this, and, and so I, I can't take credit for all this. Adam Neely, I've been deep diving into his stuff and he is brilliant and I'm definitely taking some of this from him. Please, please. Um, yeah, and well, he's saying, you know, it, 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 it's both, but yeah, I mean, it's cultural. When you look at like kind of the origins of Western music, you go to like Gregorian chant, you know, and if people don't know Gregorian chant, I mean, that's like kind of choir chanting. The, the easiest like pop culture reference I could come up with. Exactly. Yes. 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 Oh, my man knows some Gregorian chant. All right. Dude. It's actually a little off of it. It's very, very basic, and it's. I mean, it's. It served religion. It was like a religious. Right. Which is what music kind of is for me today, and what it is for a lot of people. It is kind of like a getting in touch with this ethereal like divine aspect whether or not you want to call it god or believe in you know a, a, a dude with a beard in the sky or just like this higher energy and i believe in a dude with a beard and a bandana and, and a schwa bandana in oh, front this, of me this thing? Oh, that's yeah. what i believe in oh, yeah yeah what is what's that about the uh, runa that i'm drinking with the shirt and everything <laughs> dude 
full endorsement mode today. I'm locked in. Yeah, I've been listening to, uh, in terms of podcasts I've been listening to, Bad Friends with Andrew Santino and Bobby Lee. Okay, I don't know it. Alex told me about it. Gator. Cool. Yeah, honey, Andrew Santino is uh, a comedian. He's been on Joe Rogan, and he like tours with him and stuff. And then Bobby Lee was on Mad TV. You'd recognize Oh, him. Bobby Lee. Yeah, Bobby Lee's awesome. Yeah, totally. They, what, what, what's the podcast called again? One Bad more time. Bad Friends. Bad Friends? Bad Friends. Fucking hilarious. It's a laugh out loud moment. Awesome. Oh, great. Like shooting the shit. Um, but, you know, they're they're more sponsored. They've been, been to this point, and they, you know, have their, like, advertisements and stuff. Right. And, um, you know, I've just – I don't feel like we're necessarily not at that point or at that point, but I enjoy just the plugging things, even though I'm not – we're not getting paid for it or anything. It's just like – We can just keep plugging and making endorsements. If it, if it makes our podcast seem more official, then I am all for it's, it. It's more official, and it's just, you know, we're, we're – um, you know, we're doing a service for the world. Sure, we're, man. Hey, I mean, uh, you know, it, I, I always dug that about Joe Rogan. Like, his sponsors are, are products that he uses that he can like. like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was their, that was their first first uh, sponsor. I don't know if he actually used it, but he would give it away to guests each time he'd have a guest. Be like, here, take a free flashlight. Right. I forgot that. Wow. I mean, that's pretty enticing for guests. Yep. Now he's going on Spotify. So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, so yeah, let's get back to this Gregorian chant because it is wild. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Gregorian chant is that it was like it was a lot of minor scales, like, and if you would equate a mode, a lot of it's a Dorian mode, a minor scale with that raised six. So it's not you don't quite have that like menacing tension of the flat five to the six, which if you don't really know modes that well. The Dorian is a minor. A minor mode is. But uh, Dorian mode is a minor scale with a raised six, so it sounds like. So I you don't I'm have that. What uh, again? Holly calls tray minor. Tray minor. I love that. Dorian, yeah. That was a great nugget for our first episode. For our first guest. Um, but so yeah, that that kind of that tension kind of of the flat six to the five isn't in Dorian, um, and I feel like that's in a lot of Gregorian chant. Because it's sound, it's got a minor third. It's got like a creepy, ominous quality, and especially just like these weaver voices in a cathedral. Yep. Um, but there's also something to it where it doesn't sound, you know, like satanic or something, or where like you know the the diminished fifth in the church was like a band interval. It was the devil's interval. The like the you know Black Sabbath came That's out and shit like that. Roll. What'd you say? That's rock and roll. The rock and roll, all dude, flat fifths up for days. And yeah, if you've listened listened to the special, you know we're quite fond of that interval. Um, but yeah, so it, but right, it's like so so. Why why did the church come up with that interval? What, why is that the no interval? Why is that the, the Satan conjuring interval? Is it just because yeah, it's it has a sound that's demonic? Is that inherent, or is that because religion told us that you know hundreds like, of years ago? Is does heaven major? sounds and hell's my heaven's got i think heaven's mixolydian yeah i would say heaven's so. got to be mixolydian and then hell's dorian right dominant seven hell's dorian. i would say yeah uh, hell is like harmonic minor oh yeah fair enough fair enough that's, yeah. a, fun, that's a fun part yes, yes exactly. exactly i love i love harmonic minor so yeah i guess when but, they were doing yes. the gregorian chants like what were they trying? What message were they trying to get across? Like fear God, fear religions. They wanted to be a yeah. little dark, but right. Still, don't be too you know unapproachable. 
Yeah, interesting. If that was like the concept of it, how do we make people fear God and join our religion, but know that it's going to be okay if you do? Right, and it's not necessarily that they wrote music with that in in mind, but maybe that it evolved that way. That people were like, "Yes, this is this is good. We like this because of what it represents." So you have your right. so just as as it's you know culturally passed down. Like we heard a sad song in Bambi when the you know mother died, so we liken it to sadness is it also that we've heard sad stuff as we're evolving with music and we're like this feels like the feeling i'm feeling so as it goes both directions where we you know have decided but also it's it just reflects our internal state so it's it it really is interesting to to wonder which came first or what you know yeah i mean it's the chicken or the egg concept right it's right there i mean there's something inherent about you know the it's just more it's less dissonant although i'm out of tune right now so that's a little dissonant there's it's true there uh, if if you want to almost get it like right for somebody that studies physics right i mean dissonant dissonance is is wave-like dissonance is a tangible quality that we experience every moment uh, two two notes together that maybe yeah that's what, you know major third there's no dissonance there but if we want to do a sharp four and a Lydian thing. There's dissonance. We can hear a, a, a physical vibration that is created from dissonance. So is it human nature that dis- dissonance is the physical experience that we inherently don't want to avoid or that makes us feel unsettled? You know, I, I think there is um, an element of that. Makes me realize it goes back to like music emulating the sounds of nature, or like the sounds of you know, whatever it sounds like when you're in utero, you're hearing a lot of like low end come through. So, right, you know, right. that's something you pick up on early. So there's a soothing tone of like, bye and good night. Right. It's yeah. sort of like rumble and the, you know, like whatever you're hearing sounds from outside, they're muffled. And very vibrational. You're experiencing that through the vibrations of being in a womb. And then when you hear like, you know, thunder cracking and like rain or like, Bird song is like happy and pretty. Birds don't have cultural passing down, but they make pretty right. songs so they can fuck. Like that's the whole right. point. Right, mating calls. Yeah, and, and and it's an interesting point you bring up about the you know are we conditioned? Are are, are we you know we're the you know we're born. It's tabula rasa. It's a clean slate. We have no prejudices or or or, or biases or things like that. And those are introduced to us through culture, through our parents, through everything. It's like I I have. Um, Two Basset Hounds, Claude Rouge and Frankie, shout out. Shout and, out. Um, Claude Rouge is the homie. I got to get him in here. He's just a big floppy, just like love machine, just loves being touched. Just if you're petting him and you stop, he, he starts nudging your arm to pet him again. Like, fuck you. Um, and, and as he's gotten older, he's become like very um, frightened of like lightning and gunshots. And where we live, there's like a gun range on Sundays where they're like shooting guns. And, and it's loud. If we have all the windows open in the house, it's loud. Um, and he hates it and he starts panting and he's sweating and he can't like get settled. Um, and same with thunder. He starts panting. And so, and like he did it a little bit when he was younger, but it keeps getting more intense. And it's like, so what is that? Is that, I, mean, I know it's different. A basset hound is different than a, a human brain. As my, my dad says, don't try and get in the mind of a basset. <laughs> <In some ways. laughs> but you know, it's like, is he just getting older and more sensitive and, and just these loud sounds are unsettling for him or. You, you know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah, so very it's, different, but... Each time he gets anxious hearing a loud sound, he 
it drives that in even more. It's like, I hear this loud yeah. sound, I feel anxious. And next time it's like, oh yeah, last time I heard a loud sound, I felt anxious. So now I'm more anxious, not just mm. from the sound, but for how it made me feel. Right. And that sort of drives it in with like humans too. Like you hear this nice, lovely sound and it makes you feel good. So you keep driving it that way. And that, you know, for me growing up, why I, you know, I was a, a, a soft, fluffy kid. And so I didn't like that kind of like, no pitch squeals. Yeah, just like in general, just like all that, you know, that hard testosterone you've driven stuff. I didn't have a lot of mm -hmm. testosterone. I was a, you know, I was a sweet little boy with a mischievous, <laughs> you know, fucked up approach to a lot of things. But in you a good still way. are. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but I've learned over time to appreciate that more. But when I was younger, it was just like, I just want to hear the nice, like the, the pretty parts of it. But you realize that it, it, it really is in relation. And uh, just like the major and minor in relation to each other the music and the human psyche are also in relation to each other. It's not that one is the root of the other. It's about where you start. If you're starting from the perspective right. of music versus if you're starting from the perspective of the human psyche, it's going to, you know, you're starting on the, on the one or you're starting on the five or you're starting on the two. It's just a different perspective of where you're looking at the same thing. And it's, you know, I, I guess that's why I, I, I feel obviously I have so much to learn in music, but I also still, I have my, my whole journey in music as sort of like a an aspect of the whole journey of understanding of life in the world because you know it is just a different way a diff it's a it's a pure language it's a pure way of communicating emotions mm -hmm. but um you know it, it it shows you a lot but there's on some level it's just like another starting point you know another another line yeah I yeah I, I, Totally. And I think that the the cultural side of it is really important. I think that, you know, for you saying even just growing up as a kid, like you didn't, you gravitated more towards feel good major key music and not like, you know, heavy shit. I was listening to like Slipknot and Korn and System of a Down, like and that's and Nirvana. I did and to I, Let's get that. Yeah. yeah, that that's, we all listen. We that, all listen to Korn. That's feel good all day, baby. Well, dude, you know, you're, you're kind of the fieldy of the jam band scene. I know I've said this before, man, but you kind of are the fieldy of the jam band scene. Is Fieldy Corn's bass player? Oh yeah. All right. Just because he's got the low Ibanez, really, I think as well. But he's got a similar slap style. That he has like the flea, the the vertical slap style. You know, it's not like thumb up. And yeah, he's maybe, always got the. Maybe that's why I've liked Corn, and maybe that's why I play the way I do. I thought that I've told you that before. Probably is this haven't. the first time? Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Well, well, I think it should be like on your bio. I feel like this should be like your live lesson master thing, just in general. Just... Ben Carey, the fieldy of the jam scene. Jam fieldy. Jam fieldy. Jam fieldy. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, for fieldy, I always loved his um, – he, he has such a cool, unique style and sound, and that percussive slapping sound is really with, like, the drop A, seven-string guitars. I love that sound. Um, when you hear him, like, talk with videos and stuff like that, he, like, isn't really schooled or anything like that. But he's, you know, he's not bringing modal theory to corn. <laughs> I mean, he's bringing a sound and a vibe, and – and more so than like a lot of other bassists in the nine those heavy bands, he was doing like something unique rhythmically and cool. Um, we, we <laughs> I started a rumor when um, uh, Murph left Sound Tribe Sector Nine that Fieldy was joining as the new bassist. Oh, maybe <laughs> and I, Fieldy just transitioned and became Alana. <laughs> Yo, I like that. That's a great fan theory. Yes. We could get something going in like fantasy tour. We could start a little speculation Reddit thread. I'm, I'm um, <laughs> but so somebody 
I, I remember somebody sent me a screenshot and they were like, um, they're like, they're like, is it true that like Feely from Corn might be playing bass for Town Drive Sector Nine? Somebody's like, no, that's some stupid rumor. Special guys made up. Well, <laughs> it's true that he might be. He's definitely not, but he might. We, we didn't know, and he, we still don't. That's how, um, that's how great discoveries are made. Like he hears about it, he's like, wait, what's this band? Like, oh yeah, fuck it, I'll just do that. And he hits him up, and you think they would say no if Feely wanted to join the band? I mean, it's t- you know that it's like Les Claypool auditioning for Metallica. You know what? What would music look like if if he got that gig? Oh God. I think <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't. Everyone's better um, off Leslie Les. We 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 need Primus. The, their basis is awesome. I I Robert Trujillo or oh, the, new, Trujillo. Yeah, the the newer one. He's fucking the, phenomenal. Talk about low bass. <laughs> he he's phenomenal, and his son is a fucking rocker too. Really good bassist. He plays bass too. Yeah, yeah. There Robert was some video. Reminds me of the uh, Nathan Explosion from Metalocalypse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like lead singer turned bassist. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. But what you were saying about Fieldy, um, something I think I, when I'm getting down on myself and just like, being like, oh, I suck, I didn't, I'm not schooled enough, I don't know enough, and, you know, I have time to work on that shit now. You know, it's <clears> really <throat> just like talking to you and listening to all what you're saying. It's like, you know, I have a grasp of it, but I'm like hesitant to like try to play along. It's like, well, what if I mess up? I don't really know as much, sure. and that, you know, but whatever, I'll just put myself mm. out there. But the advantages of yeah. not being schooled is that you get to develop your own sound and your own style, and that's really what I latched onto when I was younger. Um, that I'm, you know, also when we were talking about comfort zones. One of the reason, you know, I was doing more, and I was talking about this with my students, is that I wasn't confident enough to just do less. You know, like Alex is so fucking good when he goes into a solo, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. When we're playing a song, studio or wherever, he'll just kind of like lay it down and rip where he needs to. And the more yeah, I yeah. play, the, the better and more confident I've gotten, the more I've been willing to kind of sit back and wait for that right time to pop out. Yeah. That's, that's a hard discovery to make, one that, you know, yeah. and I knew it early on, a lot of what I was doing is just covering up for the fact that I don't feel as confident as I should be, and more that I don't want to settle down into a comfort zone that I'm not happy with. So I've built right. it up enough that when I do settle back into just vibing out and just grooving, it's something I can still get down to and, you know, writing songs and instead of playing it exactly as it's written or I'm hearing it, it's like, well, adding a little here and there, and I'm getting a lot more specific the more songs we write. It's like, okay, well, here's where it needs something. What does it need exactly? And, like, trying to find yeah. the right answer. And that, it's almost like a point of diminishing returns where, like, you put a lot more effort and get a lot less result on the short term, but your overall process is really evolving and getting to a new level. And, you know the level. And of you the- feel like that you're finding that zone more, just have doing focusing more on on music lately, rather than with the band. I am because I'm also expressing and kind of having outlets in in different areas. Like with Schwa, right? I'm able to do more production and like that low end manipulation and like just. That- and you like play out a lot in Schwa. I feel like too. I watch some of your stream in Domefest, and I'm hearing you do these runs and like some soloing stuff and playing out more than you typically would in like a Pigeons jam. That's what I want to fucking do all the time. Yeah. That's right. what I want to do. I, I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a lead bassist. I've always said, you know, <laughs> yeah. just lay down, like have things going. I want to fucking rip, and that's what yeah. I in my head. And I've heard, you know, even on guitar, I'm trying to learn more chords and stuff like that. But if I had better fingering, I could rip a fucking guitar solo. Like I could rip on the right. keys if I wanted to. I hear right. where I should go. Like that's my strength. I, I know what it should sound like, but it's it's almost been, I've really resisted over my the career that I've had falling into that place like okay just be a basis here so like no because i have so much more to offer like okay well 
now I'm trying to offer it in different ways, you know, with the, the piano set, with the schwa, where I can just go off on that. I mean, a big joy of, of playing over a beat when we were first playing in college with uh, Suhan. Shout out to uh, Steve. Um, Suhan is the fucking man. Steven is awesome. He's such a good dude. Yeah, he, incredible producer. We would play at uh, Santa Fe Cafe, and, you know, we'd have our stuff set up, and he'd be doing, like, the tweener or, like, the opening set. And we, me and Dan would just come down and start jamming with him, just, like, bass and drums over, like, a beat. And it was the most yeah. fun to do, because I could do whatever. The low end's there. Everything's taken care of. I can bass just... is there. Bass is there, and I'm just... You're not going to get lower than the sub-frequencies exactly. he's producing. Yeah. And I could just kind of, like, jam over top of it and just do, like, rhythmic feels. And that's where I really enjoyed it the most. And that's... Yeah. That's the joy of working with Schwaz, because I'm putting all... Right. Production, production. So I'm kind of earning this place to solo now too. Like I can just kind of like, fuck yeah. It out. And that's what, you know, on some level, until we develop a lot of our other aspects of our sound, that's a way to bring the audience in. That's what people who know pigeons are gonna listen for. Like, oh, well, here now he's playing bass. But you know, I feel like I have a lot more um, elements to work on. But the more I start to do that, and with songwriting too, with the piano sets, writing my originals, certain things that might not mesh as well with other guys approaches like well, we need to have it kind of up in high energy and just keep the show moving i was working on something on bass yesterday that was like kind of a little more chill and cc's like oh like that you know pigeons should have more songs that are kind of more the not the slow dance but the slower vibe which we've avoided over the years because we want to have that fucking rip-roaring show but now that we're able to play up tempo high energy psychedelic more punk more space for that so like the i've had to wait to explore those and it's been frustrating i don't know if People who are in bands that are growing or even just starting out might seem frustrating to like, this is what I want to do, but this is what we're doing. But it's all building up to that point. Like you have to, to, to lay that all out there. And what I'm really noticing is the more I'm expanding out in those other creative exploits, the more I'm able to just settle down. It's like, no, I have a space for that. Let me just do this here. And instead right. of producing it, I'm getting just so much more enjoyment out of laying it down and like popping out where I can and just listening to Jeremy fucking slay a solos instead of being like, I bet I could do that too. Or like, I want to do that shit. Right. Which I do. And I have wanted, but you know how many people would want to be a bassist in a band or play on stage ever. There's always somewhere where you can look at, you know, I know Jeremy loves playing bass. He, we should get him on the cast at some point. He played bass in this band, the 14th yeah. shout out really good guitarists stuff. are sometimes amazing at bass. Cause they think about it from a Not different like way. Guitarists playing bass or they're really good at it. If they Jimi Hendrix, all along the Watchtower, he plays bass on. It's, one of my, it's my favorite Hendrix bass line, it's him on bass. If you can if you can tell that it's a guitarist playing bass, it's usually not good. If you can't, it's a guitarist, it's pretty fucking solid. And yeah, totally. Holds it down, and I can tell sometimes, I think sometimes he wishes he could just play bass for it. Like, sure. his octave pedal and sound checks and, like, throw down a sure. bass line that in the past I might be like, well, I don't want to just play what you're playing. And now I'm like, well, let me pick it up and, and see where it goes and mm. just feel like a lot more collaborative and... I was also talking about this with my bass teacher, how, you know, some people throw around the keep ego out of the band so that it serves the, but sometimes you want that ego in there a little bit if it's doing the right thing. Like, right. He, uh, my bass teacher, Dave, grew up listening to like Rush and that type of stuff. And right. he would hear a bass line and be like, fuck yeah, that, that's the shit. That's what I want to do. Right. As a musician and as a, you know, purveyor of music in popular culture, you want to bring that element in and, and do that to others too. But you yeah. do that while at the same time serving the overall and just finding that kind of meandering balance line within it that, yeah. uh, it, I mean, it's just like constant, just like learning the modes, it's, you're constantly exploring that 
emotionally and you know with your group and it, it's just always being turned around and so having this time to like sit back and really learn and you know moving next week i'm gonna have my attic studio area set up and i'm just gonna be able to sit there and just rock out and do whatever i want you know there's gonna be frustrating moments like learning logic is just so fucking illogical sometimes i'm used to ableton i'm like where's this fucking thing it's hidden under right. like a drop-down menu that's like under there like how the fuck was i supposed learning to all the new shortcuts all the new ins and outs of the new like, system like anything like, else yeah. not what i want to do but the more i'm learning right. it starts to get smoother and smoother and smoother and i'm using that as a you know inspiration like what i've learned in the past throughout my life and going forward it's like you kind of have to get through you, you sort of have to slog through some stuff if it's serving a higher purpose you know when i was in school like i don't want to do busy work i don't want to like learn so i can work in an office for some fucking douchebag you know right white guy ceo and i now don't do that but there's certain if i had taken certain aspects more seriously i'd have a much more stable organizational approach and, and voice in my own life that i now find i'm lacking so right. i could be like fuck this school but let me get out of it what i can i uh, was talking yeah. to a therapist about you know playing different games like i might want to play chess but sometimes you're sitting in front of a fucking checkerboard and you don't want to just fold your arms and be like no i'd rather not play than lose We'll fucking play, right. lose, and figure out what you can learn. Yeah. Try to step up and go to the chessboard when you can, but that's sort of why I'm getting back to basics, as it were, and trying to learn, you know, holding on to what my approach, you know, serves for myself, for the band, and for others listening. You know, right. having a lesson with, uh, I think, God, I think his name's Kevin. Sorry, Kevin, I think. Um, <laughs> earlier today, he's like, you know, when he first saw us and, it's like late night in the workout tent after like some super jam. He's like, you know, how am I going to fucking, you know, what band's going to follow that? He'd never really heard us. And then he saw us playing and then I like took the jam off somewhere. And, you know, I it's like, well, I fucking sucked way worse then than I do now, even though I was good. <coughs> like, no, you, you, you did it for me. It's like, well, that's that's what I right. want. So. Well, but that's you. And that's your personal perspective, too. And I think. Those are all really good points. I, I, I think that um, if I can just comment on a couple of them, like I was just thinking when you're when you're speaking about it, like I think that question of is a um, a solo or just playing music is it self-serving or is it what's up, Getty? Is it self-serving or is it serving the audience? I think that's like there's not a clear answer for that. And I think with all of the everything we're talking about, it's a constant journey and it's constantly learning and exploring and discussing. There's not like there's light bulb moments, but there's not just the hey, I cracked music tonight, and that's what can be infinitely frustrating or infinitely rewarding about it. Um, do you notice, sorry to interrupt, but do you notice that yeah. you're like hitting a, a ceiling, 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 and then one day just boom, you jump up and you're like, whoa, I got a lot better all of a sudden. Kind of like quantum. Yeah, but I, I don't notice it in like a finite amount of time. I notice that like, hey, I've been playing and working on concepts every single day and I'm starting to see that pay off. I'm starting to find myself grow in areas that I've always wanted to. Um, I mean, I'm the same. Like when you talk about like when you're listening in a studio and headphones, all you're really hearing are mistakes. It's the same thing with me. Like you, you're hearing what you could do better. What, what you could, you're hearing what you wanted to do, what you thought you could do better. I, I listened to a podcast with Danny Carey from Tool, who's like the MVP of their new album. And his playing is on a whole other level than it ever has been. Like, you know, to, to me, he's the best rock drummer in the world, bar none right now. Um, and when the guy's asking, like, what do you hear when you go back? And you listen to this new album. And he's like, I just hear all the mistakes, man. I'm like, what fucking mistakes did you make? But it's like Danny Carey, listening to Danny Carey is very different than anybody else listening to Danny Carey. Um, but to, to go back to base, to get back to basics, like when we talk about this concept of should I play out? Do I hold back? It's a really interesting thing. 
And I think just by being aware of it and thinking about it, you're on the right path to, to finding your voice. I think that there's a, like, you know, a kind of stigma with bassists that we're supposed to stay in the pocket and stay simple and back up the melodic instrument, back up the horn player, or the pianist or the vocals or the guitars or whatever, lock in with the drummer, then that's your job and don't step out of that. And in Berkeley, I, I like when I reflect on it now, 10 years later, it's kind of frustrating that they really shove down your throat, stick to what stick to the bass. Don't you're not a guitarist. You're not a horn player. Don't play like one, don't, you know, lock in with the rhythms of the drummers, play root notes or play chord tones, but don't do other. And obviously, you know, with jazz and there's exceptions, but this like philosophy of keep it simple and play foundational like embedded itself in me and I think like hindered myself my playing and I, and I listen back to like old studio recordings of the special albums and I'm like damn like why why did I just play the same bass line 16 times in a row when live we do it now I, I rip it up <laughs> I, I play around with it it's more interesting and that's what you know studio playing versus live playing is a different animal too you're right. under the microscope other direction too because I look back I'm like well, why did I not hone in on a part before going into the studio and just like oh, I'll figure it out when I get there I feel like I could have developed it a lot more. You know, we're both kind of coming at different angles and, you know, you you having that that learning experience and, you know, that's, again, they're shoving that schooling down your throat. That's sort of one of the reasons I resisted truly identifying until very recently as a bass player. I'm like, no, I'm a musician who plays bass. Right. Because I feel like I have a lot more to offer music than just what a traditional bass player is. And yeah, this podcast with you and just, trying to take more seriously and like not being a fucking child about things childlike not childish i read on a biscotti once which really stuck with <laughs> mama says be childlike not childish i like it italian fortune cookie um nice. <laughs> but no i i now realize like well okay it's it's if that's how i feel it's up to me to identify as a bassist become you know this is what i do you know i might do more as well but this is what i do and then just slowly expand just like we expand the pocket like you can have the pocket right you can be weaving the pocket around you could be like moving it and like creating this this right rounding the pocket you're kind of you're the fabric around the pocket you're not the pocket's empty the pocket has nothing inside of it you are creating a pocket not sitting in it you know kind of thing right. And so if I, I'm doing the same thing with being a bassist and now with with this with you, I, I still will, will be talking. We'll be talking to Ferrara or even you'll just be talking at the beginning of the episode. I'm like, man, I'm way out of my fucking depth here. Like, I don't know nearly enough, but I'm learning. And I'm also bringing a different perspective and expanding what I think it means to be a bass player. So if I was watching this, you know, I'm 10 years younger watching us talk right now. I might be like, yeah, you know, I, I do see the importance of learning and I want to practice more and learn. But I also see, you know, kind of, the different approaches and what's strong about it. And I, I might have jumped past a lot of those roadblocks I set up for myself a lot earlier and been like, well, sure. no, I am a bassist because I saw someone that more reflected my, you know, if I researched more into fieldy or, you know, knew more primus early on or whatever, but. You're probably okay not having listened to much fieldy. Say what? You're probably okay having not dove into fieldy too much. Oh man. I want to, let's get him on here. Oh my God. You have to watch the bait, the pre, the, the playthrough of him doing freak on a leash. It's hilarious. But I mean, what you say like and about perspective, it's like, you know, I, 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 and we've talked about this before. It's like, I, I feel the same that I, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And when I, I take that philosophy with my students where I'm like, look, sure. You know, we have this teacher student relationship, but I don't know everything. I learn stuff from you. I'm a student of this game and the most fun stuff. It's like, we talked about this even back on the, the first episode of Brownie or the second episode of Brownie. Like, 
he's not like okay we've gone through all everything that i can teach you now we've gone through the modes we've gone through the warm-ups now let's learn songs it's like what's exciting for me is to dive into some of these new concepts dive into more modal theory avoiding the root and as i dive into that i realize more about it and then i we were i relate it to you i'm not the end all be all here's some videos here's some resources go look at it yourself i'll show you my perspective of it but we're learning together you know what i mean and it's like i'm you know we're, we're still young and it's like i'm sure your base teacher that you're seeing again is older and has more experience and has gained more wisdom on it but that I think one of the reasons that I, you know, like I, my lessons go well are because we have uh, that understanding and the, my students are my friends and we enjoy it. It's yeah. the same with the podcast. I just enjoy talking to you and that's when it's fun. It's not like I'm showing you this and then that, it, don't do this correctly. Don't do that. It's like, man, we're all just learning together. And we're, whether we're discussing, whether we're playing, if whatever motivates you to learn is a great, is, is yeah, the best. Whatever, thing. whatever makes you want to pick it up and like, and, and try to play the, um, so this, so-called named Kevin from earlier today. I think it's Kevin. We'll go with Kevin now. Really? I really hope it's Kevin. Oh, man. It's probably Frank. Um, let's be honest here. Now, I think it's Kevin, um, but he, you know, he's 32 yeah, right. age, and he's just starting to get into, like, the band life, and he's, you know, saying it's good that cool. he got through sort of his more wookish, you know, get fucked up time so he can be cogent and present on sure. stage, and it's good to be at that point. And I'm sitting here yeah. thinking, like, man, I wish I knew so much more. Like, I should this is another thing my bass teacher, Dave, says, like, don't shoulda, don't coulda. I intend to. I'm going to. So I'll switch that talk now. Mm. I intend to learn more. I will learn more. Yeah. I will deepen my understanding. And thinking that it's like, well, why didn't, why did I wait until now to do it? It's like, well, I'm doing it now. And I'm in a, in a great position right. to actually learn and apply that. You know, I can tell my fiance is like, sorry, I got to go do work when I'm fucking having fun playing. You right. Know? And that's just but it's, a... it, it's true, but it, it it is work, and it's and it's it's music, so it's it's your career. It should be fun, but I, that yeah, that's kind of something that I've had to work on. Excuse me, detaching myself from too, like fuck reg- regretting what I haven't done. It doesn't matter. You're, there, there's no you're not going to gain anything from from worrying about well, what's been done. And I know that you know that's a big Buddhist philosophy too. Just the concept of living in the moment. Don't worry about what you can't control. Mm-hmm. And there's always that part of me that's like, well, I wish I just fucking dove into this more when yep. I was going to a music school. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? I, I learned things in that music school in the, in the classrooms, but I also learned things from positive experiences as well as negative experiences. And it's all just experiences and now experiences that I can impart to other people. So I, you know, I, 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 I it, it's a daily thing, but yeah, I've, I've kind of moved past, I guess, in a way, like thinking about what I haven't done and being more excited about what I'm doing now and what I can do and what I can help others do. And it's just, yeah, I mean, that's the, it's like the journey of music, baby. Yeah, baby. The journey of life. It's, you know, they're hand in hand. Yeah. Doing this podcast, we talked about it for years. And I think, you know, both of us were rightfully so a little apprehensive. Like, what are we going to do? Like, what do we talk about? Good. Like, is this now another commitment? Like, is it going to be good enough to offer people? And we're having enough fun just doing it on our own. If no one watched it, we just had this excuse to talk together. Exactly. Yeah. Even adding the pressure of like, okay, is it going to post? When we first started talking, I was like, oh man, I better not sound like a jackass or look stupid. I was like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. That's not what's important. What's important is that we're doing it. It's a, it's, it's a casual thing. And, and it kind of ties back to our conversation. What we were saying earlier with soloing, where, where's the line between self-serving and serving the audience. Mm -hmm. And I, I think like with everything, it's a balance. I think, if it's self-serving and if you're enjoying it and learning it, then I think that translates whether to, to an audience, whether it's a conversation, a lesson, a podcast, or playing a live music. Like a, a little bit of self-serving it isn't a bad thing. If you're up there playing a song you don't want to play, soullessly not enjoying it, like when I'm playing in like 
Elk Lodge and Mass playing Superstition by Stevie Wonder, and I'm sorry, I hate that song. I love Stevie Wonder. I hate it. We, I played this GB band in Boston. It's like we'd be playing, and there were some cool, like my buddy Ezra, who's a real talented dude, and we'd play some some cool tunes. We'd play like uh, Golden Lady, Stevie Wonder, which is a really complex, cool tune. But then we'd start Superstition, and like the the, the ladies get up, like the older, like the aunts, and I'm like, oh god. Stupid drum beat intro. I don't even like our song Jackwise, the studio version, because the intro reminds me so much of Superstition. Oh, I love that. That's how much this song has it's scarred me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and that's that's something that an epiphany I had, like in our college-ish area, or a little after it, was with the whole self self-serving or self-involved or selfish aspects. Mm. It was a very easy way to take the take a spin on that. It's kind of I think this sums up a lot of what we were talking about especially towards the end, you can be selfish. You just have to expand your definition. And this is sort of part of my Buddhist aspect too. You expand your definition of self. What is myself? Mm. You just widen it to other and then everything. Eventually, if yourself is all of existence and you can, you're going to be wrong sometimes if you're trying to serve that, you might be serving a subset or like one part of it, you know, versus the whole thing. But if you try to, I'm going to be selfish expand what i think myself is and so you're serving as much outwardly as you possibly can right right yeah i think that's a great con that's a great way to look at it um and it goes back to that balance of if i'm enjoying this then hopefully somebody else can enjoy it too but as somebody as a bassist who can get kind of like burnt out on guitar solos like in in jam bank concert context i know the difference i feel like i can tell a difference between a self-serving guitarist that's just and just kind of like okay or somebody that's trying to like tell a story and do something and somebody like jeremy who is like a tasteful guitarist and, and knows notes and i can tell is listening and isn't just running through like the same old shit in, in his head that there's a lot of bands that are in the jam scene where it's just soloing for the sake of soloing well and, and, I, and I have no interest in that <laughs> had a bad night or like he wasn't playing well when i'm objectively listening i was like what sounds cool like what you're doing but it's because he's not in the vibe he's just playing cool shit and so that's mm. why he feels like he's not playing well or played like shittily he's like man i played shitty all night like you were ripping some fucking solos it's like well yeah but i wasn't you know we weren't grooving together and that's <laughs> sort of how he sees it and that's you know that's what it's all about and when i get into my you know like oh what am i really doing how am i serving you know am i good enough to be part of this like experience or whatever just step step back and sit and listen and that's with life too you just kind of and that's a kind of a, a soft pivot we were we discussed a few weeks ago uh getting together and talking about the black lives matter movement and what's been going on with police and everything right. yeah and i think the i know i can do a lot more and i've been trying to expand my um you know my media you guys have been doing a lot with it and just staying involved and i really respect mm -hmm. that um and i've been trying to like pop in where i can and like make comments or like kind of bring people together but my, my talking with my brother's husband my brother and his husband are on the way down um to Asheville to stay there for a couple weeks and they we had a father's day dinner with my dad and he was talking about like how does the band approach it and you know how do you approach it and I've really been just trying to where I can my role right now I feel where, where I can be helpful is by encouraging dialogue and listening and yeah. that's the same kind of idea it's just like people of my ilk or you know that I'm look like I guess have been in charge of things for a while and if i can use that place of like influence and whatever it's like everyone just kind of listen and like take a step back 
the same as within the band. Like you're gonna make better music if you listen together, and you're gonna have yes. a better society. You're gonna have a better, you know, approach with everything if you if you just kind of listen. And that's one thing we've really gotten away from on you know the internet. Everyone's like, oh well, it's just this fucking trash house of everyone talking a lot. It's like, well yeah, it's because no one's the people who are willing to listen aren't stepping out there and saying fucking listen. So like right. I need to get more vocal about telling people to shut the fuck up and listen kind of thing. And, and I think that – I think it's fine. I, 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 I agree with you 100%. And I know we were talking about doing it and because discussion is important. And two white males talking about it, it, it is important. And it, and, and, and it is important um, I, for everyone to, to acknowledge this social injustice that is so ingrained in our country. And if you, if you, if you don't acknowledge it, then it continues. So – I get that, but I, I think that people should feel inclined to speak on it when they're ready and how they're ready. I, I think there's a lot of pressure on people with social media to buy into trends and to and if you're not doing this and it's a witch hunt, they they find the people who didn't say this, find them. And that's such a shitty way to look at it. That's such a divisive, shitty thing to do. And that's something I don't buy into whatsoever. I'm gonna I, one thing I do with my voice and my, my brand as it is within my world authenticity i'm gonna be authentic so if someone's gonna come at me like you didn't say something it's like i know what the fuck i said if i made a mistake and said something right. wrong i'll apologize and say that was a stupid fucking thing to say or i'll listen to it you critique me and, and help me learn if you yeah. if you're desire if what's your goal if your goal is that i said something that was offensive or something that you don't support then let me listen and whether or not i can agree with your voice the perspective is always appreciated yeah um but it, it's gotten so, and especially, and the Black Lives Matter movement, I mean, this is a complex issue, and it's not going to be, uh, there's no solution overnight. There's increasing awareness, there's increasing conversation, there's ingraining this concept into society, teaching young people, and that's the most important thing you can do. Uploading a black square on Instagram isn't doing anything. It's just it, it, it's, on, on a lot of levels. It, it, it's, it, it's a trend, and, and, and even if... The focus, even if the um, the intention is positive to bring awareness, which I truly believe it was, people had issues with the execution. And it's like, well, then you're making people feel trapped and like they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. When people have that feeling, they shy away from it, and understandably so. Uh, so, I mean, I just – I agree 100% that the discussion and listening and the education is so important. The, the best – the special has done some cool things. We were able to – um, donate some merch money to a local organization, Soulfire Farms, which is a community of African American women farmers, local to us, really badass. That's cool. um, and then we released a show from Philly and donated money to BLM Philly. And look, like you know, we're, we're doing this because we're trying to use. We're not doing it to show every to prove anything or to show that we're not racist. It's we're, we're doing it to try and use our platform to raise awareness and, and just beyond. Like we're three white boys from Connecticut. Um, so, but that, and I think using a platform to raise awareness and to raise discussion is the best thing anybody can do. But you don't want to feel like, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. Artists should still be making art. You should still be promoting your art. You shouldn't feel ashamed about asking money for your art or for a service. But yeah, encourage conversation. I'm so lucky to have this network of students and with you and people and just friends. And talking about it is the most interesting thing. Like, I have a student, Dave McSweeney. Um, he's an awesome bassist down in Atlanta. Played in the band Greenhouse Lounge. He's played in a bunch of other bands, but it's been really interesting getting his perspective um, down in in the heat of a, of a really tense environment in Atlanta. I mean, a few blocks from that Wendy's where an African American man was shot and they burned down the Wendy's. I mean, he was near that. We talk about um, 
Mayor Bottoms from Atlanta, who's a woman that we both love. And I, I love hearing her speak and, yeah. and he loves her. And, and Atlanta has this pride and this sense of community that they don't want to see jeopardized, but they want to see the injustice change. So, and shit, man, I'm, I'm in fucking Connecticut. I'm not in Atlanta. I, you know what I mean? I can see people post on Facebook and from Atlanta, but it's not the same as, as a zoom call with somebody there. So, I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that's as, as much as I can say, I'm not in a position to dictate or tell anybody what to do, but from my experience, I encourage just talking to people and listening and different experience. Like we, we posted a track with, um, with Zion, I, this awesome, powerful track he wrote called woke, wake up. And, you know, I, 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 you know, was messaging him and I was like, are you, can I share this? Like, you know, I, I don't want you to think I'm using you or your music as some kind of personal fulfilling platform or whatever. I just think that this is a powerful song right now. I'm proud that we were three white boys from Connecticut that backed uh, a, a black man and a black activist and a black woman on this song. I was like, to me, like, I'm proud of that. And I want to show that. And, and we had a conversation about it. And he's like, I think that's cool, man. Yeah. Like do that. He's like, I think you should, you should mention that as, as white men, you're um, you have to, 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 um, to be, it, it, he said, it's important to, to um, say that you're, vocally anti-racist you know it's the whole concept of it's not enough to be um quietly non-racist you have to be vocally non-racist and he was the first one that said that to me and so i incorporated that in some of like the social media stuff but i just appreciated the perspective of a black man a black artist and an activist from oakland california who's also a father to three people who's a spiritual guy that i just respect like and and have been fortunate to work with so you know just educate yourself and listen to people and, and don't feel bullied into doing something or saying something that you're not comfortable with learn listen and then maybe you'll feel more comfortable eventually to like speak out against it but you sort of that's kind of my rant on it i guess yeah i mean you, you got to start with with your own kind of world and work your way outward um right. yeah, early on pigeons didn't really want to get into political aspects and i was resistant i was like that's such an important thing to do and i was the political one listening to npr and i was a little right. resistant to that decision as we made as a group you know i was one aspect vocal in one area but we made a decision as a group and i respect that and now I realize the power and the importance of that is that we're giving a space for people to love and come together without having to involve that aspect. And from that place, we can then talk more. Like in the flock, someone will post something about it, and I'll just poke in and be like, make sure everyone's talking. Everyone's like, we're all people. And, yeah, it's great to say, like, people shouldn't see color. Well, too bad. It's fucking people see it. There is racism out there. It's important to acknowledge. Denying it, it doesn't help. Acknowledging right. it, and even if you don't know how to speak it eloquently, that don't be afraid. let your voice heard but it's also what you're saying like don't feel pressure unduly because then it will become off as it won't be real and it won't be authentic yeah you lose that genuine authenticity i had a long talk with my friend i you know posted a yoga a picture of my yoga mat at home fest like hey just did yoga who else is you know doing it and someone's like oh cool matt where'd you get it and i was like oh yeah my friend johnny and i hit him i tagged him and then hit him up he's uh he he says i mean he's he's half black but he's basically like a redneck country guy he's like just because my neck ain't red doesn't mean i'm not from the country (laughs) Uh, but i've seen him post about you know he got more into these types of conversations over the past few years but he hasn't really been super loud about things now he's like you know i'm we had a really nice long talk i was just at you know asking him like even stupid things like i mean is it if i'm at a see people at a rally like white people are they allowed to go like this or not like it's not allowed or not what do you think like just dumb right. stuff like that that i just have no fucking idea and we're just talk- looking for a cult- cultural insight from somebody with a different yeah, perspective like, than you know, like, i don't have to listen to what he says and be like well i'm gonna definitely do it that way it's like well i now have that incorporated into it 
But he was talking, you know, saying that he wasn't really jumping on the whole bandwagon. He calls them the social media justice warriors, which I kind of liked, instead of the social media yep. warriors. Um, but yeah, I li- yeah, you know, it's just like getting that perspective and just having those conversations. Just I, I don't know if I would have reached out to that if I didn't think it was as important. And so even right. little, just kind of reaching out is just you're just putting a little light out in the world wherever you can and doing. Yeah, it. man, and just those small conversations. It's like. You know, the people, um, the Disco Biscuits raise, I, I mean, I've heard different numbers, but I've heard around like upwards of $70,000 raised um, for this Black Lives Matter organization, which is incredible. And, and that's so much more than any money that like my band was able to generate or other bands. But I, I think that, that, yeah, money gets stuff done. And, and, I, and like I said, I appreciate athletes, artists, whatever you are, if you have a brand or a platform, using it to raise awareness is, is a good thing. But, um, you know, like, don't worry about, like, the monetary value of it. Just reaching out and having a conversation, like, you are helping progress. You are it, – it's just about it, – it's just there's so many stupid people in this country that are rooted in their ways, and it's not their fault that they're stupid or ignorant. They're raised that way. We, we've both driven through places that have been, you know, not exactly socially aware. Some of those places I would expect, you know, I'd go – we'd play a show. I'm like, who the fuck's going to be here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? And the fucking most woke-ass people come to the show. Right, sure. Right. Yeah, totally. Where are you hiding versus somewhere in, you know, New York or Boston or something, and people come in just like, oh, whatever, everything's just well and There's good. ignorant, dumbass people everywhere, and there's woke, in- intelligent people everywhere. Ignorance and stupidity can go hand in hand, but sometimes they aren't. Like, some people can process, and they have found ways to further their ignorance because they're smart enough to. And that's yeah. the reason you got to reach out and, like, no, 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 I love you, and I want to hear what you're saying, and, like, tell me right. more. I hear what you're saying about the statues, you know, getting rid of history is going to you're doomed to repeat it, George Orwell. That's how you, you know, right. come down with the fucking uh, dictatorships, stuff like that. At the same time, you know where these statues came from. Like Jim Crow Reconstructionist eras were put up to, you know, subjugate people and make them af- afraid and fear- right, fearful. Right. So it's like more understanding the better. But bringing it it's back a, to – it's, di- it's a discussion. That's... Bringing it back to the whole music aspect, the, the reason I brought it up was talking about listening in music, yeah. how you can just create – a much better, you know, you, you want to do more. I want to play more here. I want to bring it out. I want to have myself involvement involved to make it better. But sometimes if you listen to the whole big picture, you can really see where it's your time to step forward and your time to sit back. And that's your call as a musician. And right. if you're listening to this and you're not a musician, you can use those ideas in your life. You know, you're painting a portrait. You're painting a picture every day the way you live. That is your art on the world right. no matter what you're doing else and you have to know when you got to throw that you know color on and then you know sit back and leave empty space on it you know and uh, and being and accepting that there's certain things that you don't know and that like we've been talking about this whole podcast it's the same with you know if we tie in these issues accepting that there's things you don't know accepting yeah. that you're not perfect that you're an eternal student that you can always learn more that willingness to 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 accept that is important with every everything we can't all be fieldy. And fieldy, I haven't heard you speak out yet, dog. So. Yeah, yeah. What's what up? That's about. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so hey, look, I'm glad we had we you know we had the conversation about it, Branch, and I, I I think just having the conversation is great, and I encourage anyone else. But before we wrap up, there's a couple other things that I wanted to ask you about, talk about. Um, I, we talked a little bit about Home Fest, but I mean, I'm just kind of curious. What what was the overall response to it was um what was like the feeling in the pigeons camp was was it a success how do you measure success um i mean just from an outsider perspective it was a weekend i, I was going up to visit my girlfriend in boston but i had the schwa stream bumping um greg had uh greg sent me the link because I, I did a little video 
for it. I don't know if you saw it with my little loop beam and bobblehead back there. I have. I, I, you watch that. I, I don't know when it is in the stream. I just I, I filmed a little thing video for Greg. Um, so he gave me the stream and, or the link on the XL live, and I got to listen to a bit of your stream, and then I got to catch a couple bits here and there of just pigeons playing in the studio. Um, studio sounded really good. Sounded really mint. Um, I heard you guys do National Anthem by Radiohead, which the special is also doing on our teen stream on Thursday. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I don't know. That's yes. Yeah, so I, I, I just wanted to get some, uh, get, get like your, your opinion on how it all went down. Uh, long story short, it was a really good way with all the limitations we currently have to reconnect our, you know, our community, our tribe yeah. of sorts and like bring, I think bring new people into the four who hadn't, you know, there's a lot of people I've been talking to who's, this year was going to be their first dome fest and they haven't quite made it out yet and they missed out mm -hmm. on it but right. they get that vibe that that coming together aspect and you know the work that greg did putting all those videos together and you know being the mc and just spearheading that whole effort mans was working hard to, that, it, it was an intense it, production special unique thing and it, it i think it really connected the fans and the people and people were talking about it definitely a few people saying that i looked pretty good on the you know my man, slim, my man slimming down. He's playing eight, playing out more with Schwa. Day four of my push-up challenge. Done hey, yeah. how I, many push-ups are you doing today? Uh, today was 60 seconds between each set. Today was four, eight, six, or four, six, eight, six, I believe. So four, okay. 60 second rest, eight push-ups, 60 second yeah, rest. Yeah, man. Something like Good that. for you. I, I do a little interval training like that too. I'll do, I'll try and do 10 push-ups or uh, 10 sit-ups. 10 push-ups and then do a little run and then I'll increase it 15 sit-ups 15 push-ups and then you go over good position real quick and then jump back into the well bro you know I'm starting to play I don't know if you can see back I've got a seven string Ibanez with fanned frets and uh I, I'm borrowing it from Johnny John, John, a friend uh Paxton lent it to him but I'm a I'm full on gents now so you know to play this thing properly I need to like roll up my sleeves yes. oh absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. My, pa my pasty whites on and and I need I need some flex, which I don't have much of. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play fan frets, I need some biceps to back it up. Like lean over it and kind of like develop it into your being. You have to like really yeah flex yeah. when you're playing. All right, I'll put these away. Sorry for everyone watching. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't shoot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so home fest was it was good and it was great to have have people come together like that. Um, it made me more than ever miss playing out live, and I haven't missed touring, but I, I miss playing live. Um, sure. And I'm actually starting to miss touring too. I'm walking around. I'm like, this would be a perfect day to just be at a festival, just walking through. And uh, the more warm it gets, the more you miss. I, I, I definitely am I have... gonna miss seeing so many friends out in like just a fucking field with live music yeah, I mean, this to, summer. To point touring was just like, all right, I'm I'm over this. Like, am I not ever gonna want to tour again? And right. I'm very much ready to do it. Yeah, How, yeah. You're, uh... a, a break and a reset is cool, but yeah, shit, we all miss it, right? You guys have any? Uh... Any plans coming up or anything in the future besides your stream? Yeah, so we, um, we're we doing our Cheen stream too. It's Thursday, so it'll probably have already happened by the time this episode airs. But um, We also play National we, Anthem. We, have, we already have done it. We've done National Anthem. Um, I got, I, I got no, borrowed a gnarly fuzz pedal to, to get it out. Um, and this one was different. The, the, the last one, we had tried to do a multi-angle thing, but we were having software, like tech issues with our – with, with CB, who we work with on this podcast, too. Shout out CB, Video Marketing, the god. Thank you for your hard work. Um, yeah, we love you, buddy. Um, and so we ended up just going, like, iPhone, which we all, always knew we were like that, you know, all ourselves, we'll go iPhone. But none of us are really stoked on the quality of it. And it was a casual thing, and it was an interactive Q&A, and it was fun. We did it. 
but now we were like, all right, let's do it for real. So we had CB, my brother Beeman, he, they, they had a switcher, they had multi angle. And then we record, we plugged everything into our soundboard. Um, and then John has been mixing it. So this will be multi angle and soundboard audio. And it, that's like way more exciting to me. It's still a live set. There's no cuts. There's no breaks. We play for an hour. Um, and what's funny to me is that like, we didn't, we weren't super strict about it. But we literally played an hour from eight to nine, which is when it's going to debut. And I was like, this is so great because, you know, the, it, we're playing up on a second floor. There's all these windows. And so you get that feeling of starting in the day, seeing the sun go down at nighttime. Um, so it'll be in real time. It'll stream from eight to nine p.m. on Sunday. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, it's really cool to be able to have like a product that now we feel really good about putting out there. It's not that pressure of it's live. Um, but having us mix it, keeping it in house, it, to, it, in an extent, to an extent, is, ha is even cooler than having a sound engineer mix it on the fly because what we know want. these songs exactly. What you want? We, it. we we know different parts of the song where John knows. Okay, I know to bring up the bass here, um, things like that. And he sent me a mix last night, and it, and it sounds really good. So I'm really excited um, for that to come out on Thursday. And then we are doing, uh, it's pretty much confirmed official now, but a private drive-in show on Saturday. Yeah. All right. In, yeah. So it was something it's been going like our management and booking agency has been going back and forth. It's up. I mean, it'll probably have already happened when this airs, but it's in the Lake George area. We've had to keep it kind of hush hush. It's limited capacity, like a hundred cars, but he's happy because otherwise you'd have a storm of like 30 people coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot accommodate our, our, our listenership here. There's too much of you. I know. I know too many rampant bassists running up to Lake George. Um, but you know, they, they've had it, they've, they followed all safety precautions, you know, friends like Aqueous are seeming to do this and pulling it off and people are being respectful and cool. So it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm excited to see how it shakes out. Is there a sound? Um, is it going through FM? So it's going to go through an app you can download on your phone and you can listen on Bluetooth in your car. And then you can also just like tune into a radio station. It'll be, I think there's going to be a small PA system, but I think it's like, encouraging people in the car listening that way um so it'll be interesting well the next episode i'll talk about it and i'll, I'll let you guys know how, how it all went um yeah, we're gonna do another one soon it's been far too long and yes we're, we're, we're yeah so we, we are gonna try and get back on schedule we both you were super busy with home fest i've had a lot of other projects and have been now getting out a little bit more um but no i this is a priority i think we're it's gonna be good to get back on track yeah. and we have some cool guests that we're starting to reach out to um, we just signed with Royal Artist Group, which yes. I'm really excited about. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, and it's exciting for the podcast because I've already been talking to some of these agents. I mean, some of the best bases in the world are on Royal Artist Group. And the people that I, Adam Neely, who I've been referencing a lot, who has a million YouTube subscribers. I've been getting really into his videos. Such an intelligent guy would be such a cool guest. Uh, Michael League from Snarky Puppy would be awesome. Even like, I would love to have Mono Neon. I don't know how much he does things like this, but I mean, what a character, what a fucking trailblazing bassist. Um, John Davis from Nerve, um, who owns the, the Bunker, um, who's produced a lot of albums, Consider the Source, My Buddy's Escaper, shout out, just put out an album produced by John Davis. Um, he's an Twitter's awesome. On Say that again. Twitter is on RAG. Um, no, no, es Escaper put out an album on Ropadope Records, and, um, and John Davis does, I think, work for Ropadope, or he owns a studio in Brooklyn called The Bunker, and okay. that's where Escaper recorded it. I know CTS has recorded albums there, okay, but Jojo Marin Nerve is on R.A.G., and that's, yeah, uh, 
Gator showed us uh, Jojo Mayer and Nerve. That shit is. Oh man. Beyond. Beyond. <laughs> beyond. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jojo's regarded as one of the one of the best drummers in the planet, and he is. But the Nerve itself, as a show, it's some of the most interesting live improvisation I've ever seen. Anyone looking for just some new kind of like fusion trip hop drum and bass ethereal jazz soundscapes? Post one of their Nerve back to basics page. Yeah, let's definitely plug it. Um, that more they have some. In addition to, I was talking to one of my other students about search engine op- search engine optimization for his gutter yeah. brother's gutter business. And he's like, yeah, you just gotta like post on blogs and like put put shit up. So we just gotta be, you know, throw shit out there and just you know get people's engagement. Um, gutter gutter making engagement as applied to to base podcasting. We're gut- gonna find some kind of crossover. Gutter done. Gutter done, dude. <laughs> but um yeah so that it, it's exciting i'm excited to um to hopefully get in touch with some of these bases bring them on to the podcast here um yeah so it's been cool man yeah we've been do we've been working with these guys for like a, a couple months now and the conversations started happening really when quarantine started and everything started to get switched up i mean you know we, we were on madison house for like under a year and we were really excited about that and we loved our agents rob and jordan and then um just full disclosure at the end of the podcast whoever else is listening whatever i can just say this shit like robin jordan got let go and a, a, a lot of people did in this music industry shakeups and people are getting let go and their entire rosters got dropped but Jeez. madison has expressed interest in keeping with special on which was cool and they were like we can move you over with these other agents and i won't mention these guys by name they were both cool but we just didn't really know them um and it, it's a pretty hard time to to test the waters of that relationship with a new agent in a band, we loved Madison House and we loved the booking agency, but I started talking with my friend Steve Contreras, who now is booking us at Royal Artist Group, and he was like, you know, what's the deal? I know things are getting shaken up in Madison House. Are you still there? Would you be interested in coming on the RAG team? And, you know, I was like, well, definitely interested. And once we started having some phone calls and conversations, it just became like a no-brainer and an awesome opportunity. Rag so, time, baby. It's rag time, man. Yeah. So hey, just another example, I guess, of a running theme on this podcast of things that seem like shit, but we just got thrown a fucking curveball. Things are in a state of disarray. Like there can be opportunities if, if you are not afraid to, to find them. Listen, be open to it and uh, take yeah. them. Comes. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, I think that's a pretty good, uh, that's a good way to end it right now. Right. Well, end this thing on a good note. Hey, wait, what's like, like a, like a G harmonic, I'm thinking. I was going to say A-flat, so basically. Oh, well, half step off. But... All right, you do your G harmonic. I'll do A-flat um, nine. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Um... Oh, yeah. And that's how we end it on a good note. That's how we end Back to Basics on a good note. G harmonic with an A-flat minor add nine. Yeah. Um, and we'll have a, uh, we'll have a um, theme song at some point. I want to write some yeah. podcast theme, theme music. Okay, let's do it. I'm down to start getting cracking on. I got some recording projects. I'm excited to get cracking on today and tomorrow. Let's get let, let's let's get this back to basis yeah, podcast. To everyone out the there, the world. appreciate all each and every one of you and giving us a reason to to shoot the shit here. And uh, yeah, glad okay. to get back to basics. Getting back to basics, we all we appreciate you guys, man. We'll be we'll be back with, with more episodes soon. So and I'm gonna go play chess with my neighbor. I'm gonna go take a pee. See ya. All right, buddy. See you next time.